Let's just admit it right up front today. As we, before we dig into God's word, this has got to be the strangest Easter I've ever had. Uh, you know, we, we had Easter breakfast in the gym and it was just my family with our jack-in-the-box breakfast jacks. It, it, I don't know where you all were, but it, it's just strange. Things are canceled all over the place. And, and every time we get together, we talk about that, right? Okay, what's canceled this week or how long are we going to be out? And, and I'm convinced by, by 2022, we're going to be back together. You know, maybe, maybe earlier than that. Um, it's been hard to get things. So kids, there's probably no Easter candy. Too far? Yeah, um, my kids are like, okay, no, 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 that, that is too much. Um, but, but what's interesting to me is this is an opportunity to sort of strip away all the extras that we add on to Easter or that the world adds on to Easter, strip away all those ex- extras and just focus in on what God has done. There's all kinds of talk in the news about Easter being canceled and what are churches going to do today? Well, as you've seen other people respond to that, Easter isn't canceled. Nothing can stop the empty tomb. It happened. Uh, some little virus isn't going to stop that. The cross isn't canceled. The resurrection isn't canceled. Christ's victory isn't canceled. The church isn't canceled. We are still worshiping and we just have spread a lot more. And maybe that's a little bit of what God is doing, is spreading us out and giving us that boldness. See, the only thing that could have canceled Easter was if Mary found a body in the tomb. Or if Jesus decided to run at Gethsemane instead of say, Father, not my will. But those things didn't happen. Satan thought he had canceled God's plans on the cross. But no. No. We read in Matthew 28, But the angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. And at that point, you have the darkness, the despair, and, and no Easter. And Satan thinks he's won. But then the angel goes on and says, He is not here, for he has risen. Amen? As he said, come see the place where he lay. If you don't believe me, come look. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy. Yeah, I'd have both too. And ran to tell his disciples. No, rest assured, Easter isn't canceled. Nothing can cancel the power of what happened on Easter. Nothing this year, nothing next year, nothing for all eternity. But this morning we want to say some things are canceled. Sin is canceled, death is canceled, despair is canceled, the reign of sin, the penalty for sin, these are all canceled. And that is worth celebrating. That is worth remembering. So this year, as we, our theme for the year, ironically, is remember and celebrate. And, and you may think that in March has been, February, March, and April have been the longest three years of my life. But we're going to remember and celebrate because God still is victorious. Jesus still rose, and that still makes a difference for us today. Yes, celebrating can be hard in a fallen world, in a despairing world. But the disciples were hidden. They were isolated. They were scattered, some of them. Some were alone. Their world had fallen apart as their Messiah, they thought, was dead, and they didn't even grasp yet the glory that was coming. They thought Satan had won at that point. But no, Easter is not canceled. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 2. 
We're going to look in depth at some verses that we've looked at before, but I want to dig in a little deeper in these. We'll look at these and some verses in Acts, but Colossians chapter 2, verses 12 to 15, and grab a Bible or your app and follow along. And we want to talk about four things that are canceled at Easter, four things that the act of the cross and the resurrection canceled permanently. And we want to explore those. We want to take hope in those, to celebrate in those what our God has done. Colossians chapter 2, we'll start at verse 12 and we'll go through verse 15. Verse 12 sort of sets the stage and gives us the foundation. We read, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you also, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And Paul here is using the metaphor and the symbol of baptism to remind us that we were with Jesus on the cross and we were with Jesus in the grave and in his resurrection, we were part of what he did because he was representing us. He was a substitute for us. And so Paul introduces the concept of the death and resurrection of Easter. And he's going to go into what that means and how that affects things. His death was applied to us. His resurrection was applied to us. And so Easter is so important for us to understand how these things are applied to us, how these things make a difference through faith in Jesus Christ. I love even the the end of that verse, through faith in the powerful working of God. And even in the foundation, in, in the setup for what Paul is going to say, he's reminding us, pounding into us, God is powerful, God is powerful. Nothing, nothing can come up against our God. Our God is greater than all. The same God who raised Jesus also is at work in our lives to raise us from spiritual death, eventually from physical death. And so this is the foundation for then what he's going to talk about in the next few verses. Verse 13, we get the first thing that's canceled because of Easter. And it's not an assembling together. First thing that's canceled, we read in verse 13, And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh... God made alive together with him. So the first thing that's canceled is the power and fear of death. Let's just go big right from the start. The power and fear of death is canceled. And the words that are used there, Paul says, you were dead. And I don't know if you have thought about dead much. Dead means dead. I mean, there ain't no breathing if you're dead. There's no moving. There's no hope. It is over when we're dead. When the doctor, when the doctor calls it, that life is over. We would think that life is canceled. But because of the resurrection, Paul says, you were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your faith. Your sin. Trespasses is another word for sin and things that we have done to offend our, our infinite God and our holy God. Because of your sin, you're dead. The uncircumcision of your flesh means you haven't cut out the world from your life. You you still are pursuing your own desires. You still are pursuing fleshly things. And he says, that's where we all were before Christ, right? Before any of us believed in Jesus Christ, before we turned our lives to him, we were dead in our trespasses, in our sins. We were following the world. But at that moment, we believed in Jesus Christ. The second half of the verse comes in. God made alive together with him. And it's referring to the resurrection. And just as he took Jesus, who was dead, and and God the Father raised him from the dead, and, and breath came back into that body, 
so he has done the same with us spiritually. He has stripped away the trespasses and the uncircumcision of our flesh, which results in death, in spiritual death. And he has made us alive. See, Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so death is the result of our actions. That's what we deserve, a spiritual death, which means complete separation from God for all eternity. It means that, that we, in our punishment, we deserve for our sins to be punished for all eternity away from God and in the fire of hell. And that's what our choices to sin lead us to. But God turned it around and God canceled that death, said, no, no, death isn't the end. It's not over. Your spiritual death isn't the end. I can give you life. And so we were made alive spiritually when God resurrected Jesus. The power that death holds was canceled. We are new creations in Jesus Christ. Oh, don't miss how important that is. Sometimes we think, oh, a a physical raising from the dead is huge. And it is. It's amazing. doesn't happen often. But I've got to tell you, a spiritual raising of us out of our sins and and out of the the depth of our heart, the, the scum that's in our heart, that's even more amazing. Because we have offended a holy God. And in his love and his grace, he has canceled that. He has canceled the death that should come from that and made us alive in him. You know, what I, what I love about this, though, is it also refers to a, a physical death and, and canceling a physical death that it has no power over us. And I'm not saying we're immortal and we're going to live forever on this earth, but what I am saying is that the physical death here is also not the end if we believe in Jesus Christ. And so this, this idea of being raised from the dead, made alive together with him, of death being canceled, is both spiritual and physical. Physical death has no power over us because we know that God is going to raise us from the dead because he raised Christ from the dead. Those that believe are going to receive a new body and we're going to live in a new heaven and a new earth for all eternity perfectly communing with God. And it's going to be amazing and incredible and that again is what Easter reminds us of and the resurrection reminds us of. A couple of other verses that I want to read. Just, to, just listen to these. We'll put them on the screen, a couple of them. 1 Thessalonians 4.14 For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring him those who have fallen asleep. And, and fallen asleep there is, is a metaphor for death. And he says, so since we know that Christ died and rose again, we know that God is going to bring those who believe with him. And, and even if we die here, we will be resurrected and we will spend eternity with God. And so that changes or it should change our whole view of death and anything leading to death, any of the junk in this world, that should change our view on it because we think, and and, and people in this world, one of the biggest fears is death, right? What if I die? And we're hearing a lot about it right now and and death counts and fatalities and, and, and there's a lot of hype and hysteria over that. I've got to tell you, there's no power in death. Because it's just graduating to life with Christ. And so we as believers can look at this and say, no, we can be bold. Not, not that we're stupid and go try to die. But we can be bold for Christ and we don't have to worry and we don't have to be anxious. Because this is not all there is. 1 Corinthians 15 talks a lot about resurrection. I just want to pick a couple verses out of there. Listen to these. 
And if Christ had not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. First fruits meaning everyone else who dies that believes in him will also rise. He's just the first one. For as a man, as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? Death's victory and death's sting is canceled because of Easter. It's done. Just, just put the canceled stamp right across it. And that is huge. The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. One other verse to listen to, Hebrews 2, 14 and 15. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things. Jesus came, he, was a, he became a man with flesh and blood, just like us, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. And he's saying he destroyed, he canceled the power of death, that is the devil. And we don't have to live in fear of death. We don't have to be slaves to try to not die, to do everything we we can and to, to just live in this anxious time. No, we can live in joy and celebration because Jesus took care of death. When he walked out of that tomb, death and its power were canceled. And he offers this for those that believe in him, for those that know him. How how do we live right now? How how do your neighbors see you? How does your family see you? Are we so consumed by what is going on around us that it shows a fear of death? Or are we so excited to see opportunities to minister and to share God's love with others? To be with family. No, I, I don't like staying at home all day. I love my family, but I'd also like to take them places and go do things. And we're thinking of summer trips coming up and how are we going to do these things? But you know what? In the end, we need to remember to not fear, to not be afraid of what's going on around us. None of this is taking God by surprise. None of this is, is harder than raising Jesus from the dead and raising every one of us from the dead for all eternity. None of it. And so... We have God did this, right? And the virus is this. So where's our hope? And how do we show that to others? So death and the fear of death is canceled. Second thing that's canceled, we go on in verse 13 and into 14. And this is, this is just a wonderful one. Having forgiven us all our trespasses. That's how he makes us alive from death to life. He's forgiven all of our trespasses, which kids, remember, means sin or things we've done against God. He's forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. And almost every phrase there we sang this morning. I don't know if you realize that we will sing coming up after this. But it says the debt of sin is canceled. It's canceled fully. 
There is nothing left. And, and if we understand that sin is an action that leads to a debt, it leads to a, a consequence that we should have to pay. When, when we sin against an almighty God, his holiness requires a response. In fact, if he doesn't respond to that, he isn't holy. He isn't righteous. So his holiness requires a response when we sin against him. And that response creates a debt. We owe God our lives. If we have offended an infinite God, the result of that we already mentioned is death. And here it says that, that through the cross and through the resurrection, he's forgiven all our trespasses and not just said, oh, it's okay, you're good. No, he's forgiven them by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands and he set aside nailing it to the cross. And so it's not that it was ignored, the debt was paid on the cross. There's a difference between ignored and paid. Ignored means God's righteousness isn't, isn't complete. Paid through Jesus Christ means it's been taken care of. The word for canceling there in verse 14 means to cause something to be obliterated, to cause it to cease by removing, expunging any evidence. And so the idea is that the debt that we owe, that we should have to pay because of our sin, is gone because it's been paid. Now, now picture for a moment, and I'm going to talk to the kids again. What if you knew that your mom had saved her money and bought a vase for the kitchen table? And this is a crystal $500 vase. Okay? So this thing is precious. Maybe she, she dusts it off every day and puts her best flowers there. You know that this is precious. And one day you're running through the house and you have your ball and you're throwing your ball around and, and that ball hits that vase and shatters it. What do you owe mom? You owe mom $500, Right? Not many of you kids have $500. If you do, let's go to lunch. Take your pastor to lunch. uh, $500 is this huge amount, right, that you could never repay. Well, you owe that to her. And and maybe maybe she writes a little note out that says you have to pay $500. I, I don't know. But you owe it to her. What this verse is saying is, what if then someone else came along and paid that $500 to her and said, you don't have to pay. It's canceled. Wouldn't that be cool? What if like your brother or sister did that? Okay, now we're talking miracles. But um, if so, so, so picture owing so much money that you can never repay and then someone else pays it. Now, is there still a debt there? there's no more debt because it's been paid. Okay? So there's no more obligation. There's there's no more sense of, oh, I still have to do this. All of its legal demands, the verse says, the record of debt, so the IOU, the paper that says, I owe you this, is gone with its legal demands, all demands with it. You know, for, for us as adults, maybe think of some of the paperwork you've filed for debts. You have a car loan, right? And it's this paper that goes on like this long or something. like I don't know. They keep unfolding it. And you sign at the bottom for a car loan. That is now a record of debt. You owe that money, right? Or if you buy a house, you sign the mortgage paperwork, which is like a book, right? You know, After 60 pages, you're like, I am so tired of signing. You have to initial every page. It's ridiculous. Why do they have that? It's a legal record of what you owe. 
Well, then someone comes along and completely just tears that up and pays that mortgage for you. That'd be pretty cool. That's what Jesus did on the cross for our sins. All the legal demands taken care of. All the paperwork taken care of. The debt of sin is canceled fully. Hebrews 10, 17 and 18 says, Then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. And, and there's, th- these verses are so rich, we could dig into them. But the idea of remember there isn't that God forgets. He doesn't misplace his glasses or, some, or keys or whatever. No, the, the word for remember there means I will not bring it up again. I will not bring it to remembrance again. I will not hold it against you again. I, I know in our, in our relationships, especially the people we're closest to, it is so easy to bring up the past, right? And when something new happens and we're angry, we're like, well, I remember when you did this 20 years ago on April 13th. I, I don't know. God doesn't do that with sin. Once it's paid for, If Jesus' sacrifice is enough, and it is, it's done, he will never bring that up. So why do we feel guilty then? Why do we keep bringing it up? Why do we keep letting our past paralyze us when if we've confessed it, it, the debt is done? In fact, verse 18 of that Hebrews passage says that. Where there is forgiveness of these, when we've repented, when we've come to him, when he's taking care of that debt, there is no longer any offering for sin there doesn't have to be more payment. And he's referring to the Old Testament sacrificial system where you'd have to re-offer every year and, and, and take care of your sins over and over and over again because nothing was permanent. But with the, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that offering was complete. There is no longer any more debt that has to be paid. Amen? This is worth celebrating. Because debt causes slavery. Debt causes fear. Debt causes anxiety. If we're still in sin and owing that debt, we're still slaves to sin. It still controls us. We know this with money. When you owe someone money, it it just changes your relationship. Proverbs even says that. The borrower is the slave of the lender. Well, that bondage of sin was canceled. What was canceled at Easter? The debt of sin. And that opens the door for relationship. It opens the door to be a friend rather than a slave. Now, I know when we say that, we can say, but, but we still sin. What's up with that? We, we, and in this world, in this fallen world, we are still struggling with our, our inner man and our, our self. But we know that forgiveness of that sin has already been won. It has already been paid for if we confess, if we repent, if we come to Christ. Any sin you may have done this last week, that was covered on the cross. Any sin you'll do this week will be covered on the cross. Now, that doesn't give a license to sin. Like, yeah, it's covered. Let's go. No, because if we understand the depth of the cross, we won't want to do that. God knows every sin you have ever done and ever will do. And he took care of it on the cross for those that believe in him. Our sins never pile up to overwhelm the cross. The cross always overwhelms our sins. You know, we were, we were doing a random act of kindness last week and we decided to pay for someone's food behind us in the drive-thru. And 
um, I sort of thought of this concept because Jesus paid for, for everything, knowing it all. We weren't quite willing to do that. So the first thing we asked is, how much is their bill behind us? <laughs> and maybe we should know this is true confessions. How much is, oh, okay, yeah, we'll pay for their bill. <laughs> Jesus never had that caveat. He's like, I, I know everything you've done. I know the darkness and junk in your heart. And I took it all on the cross. I paid for it. Come to me. Repent. Turn from it. And let me change your life. I love the words to it as well with my soul. And, and in, in one of the verses it says, My sin, oh the bliss of this glorious thought. Not, not that the sin is the glorious thought. But <laughs> my sin not in part but the whole is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul. Now this should make us rise up with thanksgiving to God, with praise to God. Thank you for taking care of my sin. But as we apply this, I, I encourage you, don't keep trying to pay for what Jesus already has paid for. He did a better job than you and I can. Don't keep trying to pay for what Jesus has already paid for. Instead, repent, turn to Him and confess and and trust that He's paid for your sin. See, Satan will use guilt and despair to paralyze us. Satan will hold our sins. And I know because the voice of Satan will say, no, remember, you're actually a pretty cruddy person. Remember you did this. Remember you did this. You can't serve God. You're worthless to God because of what you've done. Well, that denies the cross. That denies that every one of our sins was nailed to this cross in that head place where the charges were posted on the criminal. Jesus took those charges and paid for those. See, the difference between the Holy Spirit and Satan is the Holy Spirit convicts so we will confess and be clean. Satan then tries to to make us feel guilty so we will never confess and never serve God. And, and, And so... Conviction and guilt are two completely different things. And once, once we have turned it over to God, and once we have repented, it is done and it is canceled. Martin Luther wrote about this one time. And he was talking about a dream that he had and he experienced this in a dream and, and he dreamt that he was visited at night by Satan. So maybe a nightmare, I don't know. And, and Satan brought him a record of his own life written with his own hand and the tempter said to them, is, is this true? Did you write it? And the poor terrified Luther had to confess it was all true. Book after book was opened. And the same confession was wrung from him again and again. Is this true? Are these the sins in your life? At length, the evil one prepared to take his departure, having brought Luther down to the lowest depths of abject misery. Suddenly, Luther turned to the tempter and said, It is true, every word of it. But right across it, the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. It's canceled because it was paid for, it was taken care of. So when people talk about Easter being canceled, say, No, but the penalty for my sin was, the power of death was. We go on to the third thing that was canceled in verse 15. The rule of evil is canceled because of the cross and the resurrection. It goes on to saying, we we sang this this morning too. 
He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them. And, and he's talking about the rulers and authority, the demonic powers, the powers of this world, the, this world that doesn't follow God, that is opposed to Christ, that is against them. It says through the death and resurrection, he disarmed the rulers. He, he completely took away their power. He took away their ability. He stripped them, that word means. He stripped the rulers and authorities of their power and put them to open shame. The wording here is marvelous. You know, we live in a Genesis 3 world. It's a fallen world. But because of the cross, guys, because of the resurrection, he has already stripped this world of its power. They just temporarily, until he returns, Satan thinks he has this power, but he's already been stripped because the victory's already been won. What we're experiencing now in this world is just a cornered animal with his last last breaths trying to survive. But God wins. God wins. He's already defeated the powers. Even though we see them for a time still appear to rule, God has already defeated them. Put them to open shame is this idea that not only has he won, but he has completely shown them to be ineffective. He has completely shown the stupidity of the evil of this world, of the demonic rulers, of those that would oppose Christ. The resurrection does that. Because those that oppose Christ have no answer for the resurrection. And I know a couple of years ago we looked through the proofs of the resurrection, how we know it's true. There's no answer to that. And so in open shame, he disarms them. This word actually is, is the same word that's used when Joseph didn't want to shame Mary. When, when Mary was pregnant, instead of openly humiliating her, he was going to put her away quietly until he listened to God. But it says God has already shamed the evil. And so when you think, man, I can't believe this world is falling apart. I can't believe the junk that's happening in this world. I can't believe that, that people are hating Christ more and more. He's already won. There's already victory. We don't have to worry about that. This is just temporary. While they fight God in in their last dying breaths, Jesus triumphed over Satan's worst on Easter morning. He triumphed over Satan's worst. There is nothing more Satan has in his arsenal of weapons. This world can throw nothing at us that should cause us to worry. Jesus won completely. 99 to 0. It wasn't even a contest. I love the, the last part of that verse, by triumphing over them in him. And that word there is, is this idea of what would happen is when a general would go out and win a battle, he would take captives and he would bring the captives and he would parade them through the street showing that he won and they were nothing. So this is part of the shaming, part of um, the open shame. And it's saying this is what Jesus did at the resurrection. He took Satan's worst, his attempt to cancel Easter, and he canceled the rule of evil. It's done. You know, we we keep saying as we look at 1 Peter about how to deal with trials, as we looked at James, as we look here, we keep saying through this, God wins in the end. We need to keep our focus on that. You've heard that from several of the pastors here. That's because it's all through Scripture. That is the ultimate hope. And every time the church goes through persecution, it's like, look at the end. Look at the end. Look at the end. Don't be upset. The victory has already been won. The parade has already started. 
We're just, it just hasn't gotten to our street yet. But in the end, God will make all things right. Satan's threats are canceled. He has no power. And so this one, the rule of evil being canceled, this gives me hope that, that Easter gives hope for this world we're in right now. It, it gives me hope because I know that God has already canceled this evil and that nothing can stop our God. Do you believe that? Nothing can stop our God and Easter proves that. The empty tomb proves that. The last thing that's canceled and where I want to end our time in the Word today, sin and its effects are canceled. Turn to Acts 3, verses 18 through 21. Acts 3, 18 through 21. And by this, I'm not saying there's no more sin in this world, but the power of sin in our lives, this is similar to the debt of sin, but, but that dealt with the, the, the consequences of sin. This is dealing with the sin itself in our lives. The consequences are paid for, but, but how do we deal with the sin that we're struggling with? And in Acts 3.18, we get a beautiful description of that. Our sins and all the junk that goes with them, they've been blotted out. The grief, the fear, the weariness have all been blotted out of our sins if we believe in Jesus Christ. Acts 3.18-21 says, But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. So Christ died and rose again. And then 19, the therefore. Repent therefore, which means to turn back, to turn to, to God, to drop the sin, to let go of it, and to say, God, you are my life. I will serve you. I believe in you. Repent therefore and turn back that your sins may be blotted out. And that's the first result he mentions of repenting. Your sins may be blotted out. Interesting word there. What's fun is this is the same word as canceled in Colossians 2. That your sins may be canceled. As I I wrote this, I'm like, okay, how can I put sin as canceled? I'm like, well, that's what the verse says. How can I not put sin as canceled? Because the verse says your sins may be blotted out. That means they're taken care of. They're done. I I have a canvas here. And I want to illustrate this with. It's a, a white canvas. But unfortunately, we know that all have sinned. So we're just going to put sin here. I don't know if you can see that. And sin mars the canvas. And we'll, we'll just add some other junk here too. Because sin always has repercussions. Sin always leads to fear. It always leads to consequences we don't think of. It just ruins our life. And so sin here has marred our lives. The word for blotted out means to obliterate or to forgive, to expunge that completely, to take care of it. So on the cross, we're going to try some paint up here when no one's here to to get mad at me. What we see is on the cross, through Jesus' blood, he blots out our sins. And the word for that blotting out is literally to cover, to completely remove. And so we see the black of the sin. And because of the payment of Christ, that is blotted out. We'll see how much I can do. In this case, it's not perfect. You might see some shining through, but most of it's blotted out. If we let that dry, though, 
it would blot it out. This is what Easter canceled. The sin and the junk is blotted out. Yes, because Jesus paid for it on the cross. But that means he not only took the consequences away, and sometimes in our theology, I think we need to understand this. It's not just about the consequences. He took the very effect of sin away from us. He took the the stain of it. He took the fear and the, the frustration and the anger from that. And he took that away on the cross. The Acts verse says it was blotted out. Same word for canceled. But he goes on in the next part of, of, of the, the repentance, verse 20, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. And this is why I say sin and its effects are canceled is because the, the word here says, repent and turn back. Your sins will be blotted out. They'll be replaced with refreshing from the Lord. God will make things new. Now, I know that, that there are times that we have, we have committed sins that we don't see any way back from. And we don't see how that can happen. We can see how Jesus maybe will take care of the consequences eternally. But in this world, we don't see any, any way to come back for. And this times of refreshing, it's referring to the now. It's referring to what Jesus will do in your life now if you repent. The word references sort of a cool breeze on a hot day. And in Southern California, okay, you know, 89 doesn't count for a cool breeze. Picture a desert where it's 110. I, I've been in Israel where it's 120 and, and you feel like you're about to pass out and then the breeze comes and it's like, oh, oh, this is heaven. That's the wording here. That God brings refreshing. And, and for those of you that are struggling with sin and worried about repenting of sin and worried about confessing it, Jesus, because of the cross, because of the empty tomb, his miracle is paid for it, but he will bring refreshing now. When, when someone is struggling with sin and finally confesses it and finally gives it to God, finally admits it with a close friend or two, there is a way that God comes in and just restores the soul in a miraculous way and brings someone close to him. Because as long as we hold sin that is undealt with in our lives, it is tearing us up inside. And it is this conflict inside. And there is no refreshing. But when we give it to God and believe in God and say, God, I am a sinner. I confess this. I trust that you will take care of it. Refreshing is what comes. Refreshing is what comes. You know, something I hear all the time is I I know that I'm still going to have to pay for this sin. I know deep down inside that God may pretend to forgive me, but I'm still going to have to pay for it. That's hogwash. It is done. It is blotted out. It is finished. And the times of refreshing is what Jesus wants to offer. Yes, there are still consequences in this world to our sins. But that time of refreshing actually helps us through those too helps us learn from those, helps us process those, helps us deal with those. But then the verse goes on to the third result. So not only times of refreshing in the now, but then, um, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heavens must receive until the time for restoring all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. The third thing that we're promised is the restoration of all things. That in the end, 
God is going to create a new heaven and a new earth in perfect communion with him. You know, one of the things I often say is the story of the whole Bible is God redeeming creation to himself through Jesus Christ. That's the story of this book. It's one book. All is about that theme. And here we see that again. In the future, he's going to restore all things to those who believe, to those who follow him. And so I end today by urging you, are you willing to follow Christ? I, we, we see what's canceled. We see that the fear of death is canceled. We see that the debt that we owe because of our sin is canceled. We see the rule of evil is canceled. It can't win here. We see that sin and its effects is blotted out. It's canceled. All of that is for those that will repent and turn to Jesus and give their lives to Jesus, who will believe that Jesus is God, that we are sinners and our sin was taken care of on the cross, that Jesus died in our place, for our sins. And on the third day, sin was defeated. Death was defeated. He rose again and now sits at the right hand of God as our advocate in heaven. That's the decision that we make today. Do you want to stay in your sin, live life how you want to live, or do we want to say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I repent of my sins. I follow you with my life. If you're watching, that is so worth doing. I know the fear is that's going to ruin my life. No, it's going to bring times of refreshing to your life. It is going to change your life. I'm not going to say it's not going to change your life. It's going to change your life. But from this to this, it's going to blow up to this huge walking with God, this amazing time of walking with God with difficulties still. But that is what God has to offer. I urge you today, Choose to follow Christ. Choose to follow a holy God who loves us so much that he died on the cross and then on that Easter proved that he is God Almighty. Let's pray together. Lord God, I pray right now, if anyone's watching that doesn't know you, that you would draw them to yourself, that you would convict their heart of the sin, that they would say, realize that the sin isn't worth living for. It ultimately destroys life. Ultimately, the debt is going to have to be paid, Lord. And help us to repent and turn to you for those that don't know you for the very first time to do that so they can experience your salvation. For those of us that do know you, if there is sin that is undealt with, to realize the glory that you've already paid for it, you've blotted it out if we will just come to you. Lord, right now as we're about to worship again, let's just take a moment to, to work in our hearts, God. Expose any sin. Search our hearts, O oh God. Try me and know my ways. And let's make sure we give that to God right now. To repent of that. To let it go on the cross on Friday. And to experience the victory over it on Sunday with the empty tomb. Lord, we take some time just to have clean hearts before you. Lord God, we praise you. You're alive. Help us to be alive in you and live like it and be lights to this world, Lord. Just get us going today to to be ready to share your love and to share who you are with others, Lord. Help us to be your church that is scattered, but scattered for a purpose. Lord, we love you and praise you in your name. Amen. Happy Easter, Village. We miss you. Look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.